Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. This day has been so blessed of God already. And we're just, we come back for more. Amen. Amen. You can't, you can't get too much of a good thing when it's a God thing. Right? When it's a God thing, you can't get too much of a God thing. And I appreciate the atmosphere that is here and that we have gone into with the help of our worship leaders and and all of you for joining in and connecting our worship, uniting together. And I believe God has already taken care of some things in this house that were of necessity. It is not a hidden fact. It should be quite known to all of us by now that human ability is very limited. In any given service, if we are relying on human ability, we are extremely narrowing the focus of what's possible. We're capping what is possible. But when we allow for God to move, amen, he can do a whole lot in one service. I feel like God has already taken care of some things that he wanted and needed to do in advance of the message that he laid upon my heart tonight. And I appreciate our God for that. Job 39. Job 39. And we'll begin reading with verse 19. Amen. Amen. If you want to share with your neighbor, if you want to uh, read off of their Bible, that's fine. Or it's on the screen as well. But let's look at it. Job 39. We're going to begin in verse 19 and read a few verses to 25. Hast thou given the horse strength? Hast thou clothed his neck with thunder? Canst thou make him afraid as a grasshopper? The glory of his nostrils is terrible. He paweth in the valley. Everybody say paweth in the valley. He paweth in the valley and rejoiceth. In his strength, he goeth on to meet the armed men. He mocketh at fear and is not affrighted. Neither turneth he back from the sword. The quiver rattleth against him, the glittering spear and the shield. He swalloweth the ground with fierceness and rage. Neither believeth he that it is the sound of the trumpet. He saith among the trumpets, ha, ha, and he smelleth the battle afar off, the thunder of the captains. And the shouting. Amen. Amen. I, I, I would beg your indulgence tonight. I'm going to preach uh, from a unique perspective of this, from these verses of Scripture. I'm going to say a lot of things to make one point. Okay? And also, and this is where I, I really hope you'll give me just a little mercy and grace. My father, many years ago, preached a message entitled Pawing in the Valley. All I know about that message is that when I run into people, they'll say, 
I remember your dad preaching pawing in the valley. I don't know what he preached about. I don't know what the message was about. Um, But when I was dealing with this scripture this week and was reading and studying and came across that line, it was kind of special because uh, my dad would have been 69 this week on the 13th. And, uh, and that's a, it's kind of a cool little coincidence there. And so uh, this is probably not the best title for my message, but just in honor of Pops, I'm going to title this Pawing in the Valley. All right? I could have titled it a lot of things, but I believe God wants to speak to us tonight. And uh, if we'll let him, he may challenge us a bit, but if we'll let him, it's going to be effective and it's going to be strengthening to our souls. Amen? Give five people a high five. Tell them they sure look good in God's house. And everybody said, praise the Lord. The The horse, especially the war horse, has long been the subject of poetry. You can study the great poets, and you will find that most of them have written somewhere at some time. Prose and poetry about the horse, the stallion, the beast of war. The book of Job is considered by most to be the most ancient poem in the world. It doesn't come across as a poem. It doesn't read as a poem. But if you ask poets, study the way that it is written, it is indeed poetry. It gives here in these verses that we have read together a striking portrayal of the war horse. And this description comes from God himself as he communes with Job. In chapter 38, we read those powerful words after 37 chapters of demise and destruction and misunderstanding and confusion. We get to Job 38 and 1 when it finally says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said. And then God proceeds to speak the longest list of questions that are found in Scripture. Some 77 questions come forth from the heart and the mind of God into Job's hearing. It's mostly broken down into three question categories. God is basically asking three things to Job. Can you comprehend my creation? Can you care for my creation? Can you control my creation? The answer, of course, to all of those is a resounding no. It drives home the point of how great God is and how small we are. It's a resounding affirmation that God is greater than I and always will be. God has shown magnificent in his creative power in his own questions. Through his own questions with no answers in return, he shows forth that he is great and greatly to be praised. Psalm 19 and 1, the heavens declare the glory of God 
and the firmament showeth his handiwork. It is the handiwork of God that we exist in. It is the handiwork and creativity of God that we take in our view as we travel around this great world. Our God is great, and he is greatly to be praised. Of all the animals that are mentioned in Scripture, none is so closely connected to its human counterpart as the war horse is. The war horse would not exist without human intervention. It would not be so. It would have never come to pass. It needed humanity to be in existence. They begin as the wild stallions that we read of in books. They are the free spirits, impossible to catch, running free, jumping the fences, breaking through the lines. God's description of the war horse, however, is showing something very different. It's not showing the stallion running free. It's not showing the horse that has no boundaries, but it shows not a horse, but a war horse. And all of these uh, descriptions that come from God, they do not put blame upon man for the changes that have come upon the horse. God does not speak negatively about how the horse is being used or what man has done to it. He does not demand of man what our reasoning is for using a horse in such a way. He does not question mankind for putting a man the bit in the mouth, the bridle. He does not question the saddle. He does not question the fence. He does not question humanity for what we have used a horse for. In fact, in his description in Job, we see that he describes the war horse with such beauty and power and splendor that you get the sense perhaps that this is what the horse was created for in the first place. In Job 39 and 19, hast thou given, he says, the horse its strength? Hast thou clothed his neck with thunder? God reminds Job and thus reminds us tonight that we did not dream up nor design these things. That we did not come up with the stallion. We did not come up with the powerful beast of, of burden. We did not come up with them. That God himself designed the horse and when he did so, he designed it to be strong. It doesn't take a lot of strength to roam the valley. It doesn't take a lot of strength to just go leisurely about your day. And yet God created the horse with much strength and much power and the ability to sustain much running and quickness. That God clothed his neck with thunder. This descriptive word is powerful. It, re it relates to majesty, that God clothed the horse's neck with majesty. It speaks of the mane that runs down the back of the horse's neck which was a beautiful thing to behold uh, if you were the rider, but a fearsome thing to behold uh, if you were the enemy and the horse was coming your direction. In Job 39 and 20, he says, Canst thou make him afraid as a grasshopper? The glory of his nostrils is terrible. This sentence is written in such a way that we can totally misunderstand what it means. Uh, when it says afraid, uh, it means actually to strike fear. So it's not speaking about the horse having any fear, but it's speaking of a horse that can strike fear like the rapid approach of a locust cloud. Like a locust cloud that darkens out the sun and comes in with its destructive power. The horse can 
strike that kind of fear into a man, into an enemy. And then it says the sound of the war horses snorting was terrible, meaning it was fearful. And when they would hear the sound of the horse in full gallop, full run, snorting and neighing its way towards them, it would strike fear into the enemy. Job says in 39 and 21, he speaks of the horse and he gives this descriptive, very descriptive, if you'll let your imagination play with it a little bit, of a horse that paweth in the valley. He tears up the ground with his sharp hooves. He kneads down. He delves it up. Why? Because there's an anticipation that is mounting with inside of him. There is an eagerness that is upon the horse. He is ready to run. He is ready to go into battle. He is ready to take into flight. He knows that he is strong and that his strength is for the fight and he runs forward into engaging the enemy and overcoming the enemy. And God says to Job in 39 and 22, the horse mocketh at fear and is not affrighted. The war horse never turns his back from the sword. He's not afraid when the enemy comes into view. He's not afraid when he's taken the hill and he sees the glimmer of light off of a sword facing his direction. He is not afraid of such a thing. He does not turn and run away, but no, he gathers even more. He can feel the quiver rattling against him, the glittering spear and the shield. He can feel the quiver full of arrows of the archer that rides upon his back. He can feel the weight of the spear and the shield of the warrior that rides upon his back. And this only serves some motivate the war horse even more. And he says in 24, he swalloweth the ground with fierceness and rage. Neither believeth he that it is the sound of the trumpet. He feels the, the, the fight coming upon him. He senses the enemy. He's neighing. He's running. He can feel his master upon his back. And he runs with eagerness and anticipation. He swallows up the ground with reckless abandon towards the enemy. He's already in motion when the trumpet to attack sounds. He's already moving. He's already going. And he saith among the trumpets, verse 25, ha ha, and he smelleth the battle afar off. And he hears the thunder of the captains. And he hears the shouting. His loud and fierce neighing intermingles with the sounds of the blowing trumpets and the shouting of the captain's orders and he can sense the battle and he can hear the sounds of fighting and he is more than ready for the fight he's a war horse because he's a war horse it is necessary that we see the time we consider the description given by God in these verses that God would take seven verses to relay a description of this one animal when he speaks to Job. It should scream at us importance. It should scream at us that there's a lot going on here, that God would take such time of his precious word to mount this description of the war horse in battle. 
It's poetic in its verbiage, yet it's established by the reality of the horse's use. It wasn't just a poem. It wasn't a figment of someone's imagination. War horses were real. War horses really went into battle. War horses really acted this way about the fight. So it's more than just a poetic description. It means more than just to make a point that Job doesn't understand or comprehend God's ways. Because of all the animals, there is none that has a more special relationship with man. The war horse is found on the same battlefields that man found themselves on. War horses died, spilled their blood on the same battlefields that men died and spilling their blood. The war horse was there when the trumpets would blow attack. The war horse was there when the trumpets would blow retreat. The war horses was there when the arrows would fly through the sky. They knew what battle smelled like, felt like. They understood the intensity of the moment, the danger, the destruction that was happening all around them. No other animal that has ever existed so connected itself to mankind in such a powerful way. And it is that, that is what I want us to consider tonight. Because the horse was created along with all of the rest of the animal kingdom by God. It is simply stated in the first chapter of your Bible in God's creation. It is amongst all of the other animals that were spoken into existence. The horse was created by God. And before humanity existed, and long before mankind would discover war, there was the horse. Just the horse. It's the wild horse. That symbol of, of wildness, free, and that symbol of uncontrollable, even that symbol of rebellious, hard-headed, do whatever it wants to do, a symbol of rejecting boundaries and jumping fences and living its life wherever it wants to live its life, however it wants to live its life, that was the horse. Yet when man finally corrals it and brings it into submission, when it takes the bit in its mouth and the reins upon its neck, when it submits and surrenders to man's will, it is that horse that becomes a war horse. And it is that war horse that God describes with such magnificence to Job that you can't help but see that perhaps this was what God intended for it to be all along. It was a horse. It was a beast like any other until it came into submission, until it came under authority, 
until it was positioned in a place to fulfill what possibly God intended it for it to be all along. God does not describe an animal that is living beneath its potential when he talks to Job. He does not portray a wild beast that has been violated of its virtue when he talks to Job. In fact, it's just the opposite. A mere horse becomes a war horse and it achieves a level of purpose and it achieves a level of power that is greater than it was in the beginning. It now has a significant role in the lives, literally, of mankind. It now has a purpose that plays a part in the establishing of kingdoms and the tearing down of kingdoms. It's no longer just a horse, but it's now a war horse, and it is very good at it. It is very good at it. And so I've come tonight uh, with a simple thing. I've come to remind us tonight of this simple, undeniable truth. If we will submit ourselves to God, we can destroy the enemy and we can change the world. Oh, hallelujah. Our flesh doesn't like the bit. Our flesh doesn't like the reins. Our flesh longs to be wild and free. But life purpose, hallelujah, and the power to achieve it is not within us alone. It does not exist in us alone. We need the rider. We need the master. We need to be submitted to God. We need to be told the way. We need to be directed by his hand. I can't get to my full potential all by my Myself, but if I get a master that I'm submitted to and directed by, I can fulfill my purpose. Yes. Hallelujah. Romans 10, 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul writes to the church of Rome, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for, to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Oh, hallelujah. When we have a zeal for God, but we are not submitted to God, we fail to realize that we are only working to establish our own righteousness. God's righteousness, his rightness. And when we have a zeal for him, but we are not submitted to him, we may not even understand it, but we are not trying to establish God's righteousness we are establishing our own righteousness. Oh, hallelujah. And they were unaware, the apostle Paul says, they were unaware that their very salvation hung in the palace. I know this message is a little different. I know it's a little bit of build up here, but I pray that I have your attention. They were unaware that their salvation was hanging in the balance because they had a zeal for God, but they were not submitted to God. They enjoyed God, but they didn't listen to God. They liked to feel God, but not be directed by God. 
They would say, God, you're good when God did things good. But when God came with the challenge and God came, hallelujah, with the burden, they would shake it off and say, no, I just want to be a horse. I just want to walk around in the field. I just want to go wherever I want to go. I want to live however I want to live. But you can be a horse or you can be a war horse. If you want to be a war horse, you got to have a master. You got to have the control, not in your hands, but in God's hands. They were unaware that their salvation hung in the balance because they had a zeal, but it was misguided. Misguided. Because the horse with no rider just goes wherever it wants to go. Because the horse with no rider just does whatever it wants to do. Oh, hallelujah. I have limited experiences on horses. But in my limited experience, I've been on some that were submitted and some that were not. We went horseback riding one time when I was a little kid, and the horse took off running, and I wasn't really that big anyway, and so the faster it ran, and I ended up with one foot in this stirrup, and my leg kind of off this, over the top, holding with dear life. I think I saw a movie when I was a kid. I'm going to get myself in trouble. Why do I even say this stuff? I think I remember seeing a movie as a kid where a horse rider did that on purpose and was shooting over the top of the saddle. That's not what I was doing. I've also been on the, the $25 trail ride when they bring old Bessie out. And you don't even have to get on a ladder or anything to get on it. You're just kind of like, okay. <laughs> and the back is like this. You're kind of helping it along with your own feet. You know, I think we can make it, Bessie. I think we can make it, Bessie. Come on. I know you do this a hundred times a week. You've seen this trail five million times. But if you get them angry... They'll get just a little too close to a tree as you pass by. Just enough to pinch your leg. <laughs> See, the thing about it, a horse is it's a little bit unpredictable. And it's all based upon, upon submission. Who's in control? They already got that wild look in their eye. But a war horse, a war horse is more powerful than any regular horse. It's faster than any regular horse. It's better conditioned and better shape. It understands warfare. It knows when to zig and when to zag, when to slow, when to speed, when to jump. It responds with immediate action upon the slightest little touch of its master. The shortest, 
quietest command can cause it to leap into action or cause it to come to full stop. The touch of the bridle, just the touch, can change its course entirely. It's more powerful. It's greater in almost every way. And yet, it would be way more submitted than just any old horse. You can't be a war horse if you're not submitted to the rider. You can dream about it. You can think about it. You can talk about it. You can even try to act on it. But the problem is, as Paul said, you can have a zeal for God. But under, not understand that your salvation hangs in the balance because you're building your own righteousness. Because a horse with no rider goes wherever it wants and a horse with no rider pursues pleasure instead of purpose. Everybody hear me? I said a horse with no rider pursues pleasure instead of purpose. And Paul would shortly thereafter declare to the church in Rome in Romans 12, just two chapters later, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. At some point, that wild stallion had to submit to the rider and then he would discover what the good and acceptable and perfect will of God was. It's one of the reasons we fight some of the same battles in our lives lives over and over because we refuse submission because we shake God off and we jump the fences and we run after the pleasures of our flesh but if we ever learn the power hallelujah of submission we can achieve James 4 and 7 submit yourselves therefore to God resist the devil and he will flee from you if you want to win the war you gotta be a war horse if you want to be victorious you gotta be a war horse if you want to do it you gotta be a war horse and the only way to do that is to submit to the master lift your hands just for a second lift your hands oh come on talk to the Lord somebody in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, oh hallelujah, hallelujah, submit yourselves therefore to God, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, 
Hallelujah. And he will flee. Oh, hallelujah from you. Can I tell you, amen, if, if in your mind when you read that verse, you think that the devil is attacking me and then I resist him and then he runs away, that's not bad. It's not altogether wrong. But can I give you a little bit different picture? What that really could be saying is when you resist the devil, you submit yourself to God and you resist the devil. Amen. You're not sitting there waiting to be attacked. You're on the warpath. You're on the move. You're on the run. And the devil is fleeing from you. So when you show up home, the devil flees. When you're walking to work, the devil flees. When you go to the grocery store, the devil flees. When you get in your car, when you get you out of bed in the morning, the devil flees. Why? Because I submitted myself, therefore, under God, and I resist the devil, and I'm a war horse, and I'm submitted to my master, and I'm on the victory road. Clap your hands and shout unto God, everybody. Come on, clap your hands and shout unto God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let me ask you a question, and and then I'll be done here. What, What would it change in your life if you submitted completely to the Lord? I know I'm talking to saints of God for 20, 30, 40 years. I know I'm talking to people. Hey, man, been around a few weeks. I understand who I'm talking to. I'm talking to myself. I'm asking everybody in the room. I'm asking everybody in the room, including myself, what would it change in your life if you submitted completely to the Lord? Would you no longer be paralyzed on the battlefield? Oh, You hear me? Would you no longer be paralyzed on the battlefield? When somebody questions you something about your faith, instead of freezing up and being full of fear, amen, would that be gone? And instead, would you have faith? And would you have a word? And would you have boldness? And would you have courage? And would you look them in the eye and declare, hallelujah, the word of God is true? Amen. Would you wake up? Would you get to fighting? Would you no longer be paralyzed on the battlefield? Would you be eager? For the sound of the trumpet to attack. Oh, hallelujah. 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 If you were completely submitted to God, amen, when the devil tried to show up and when the battle looked like the battle was about to start, uh, instead of feeling defeated, instead of feeling down, instead of feeling overcome with negativity, would you rise up? Would you put your shoulders back? Would you lift your head up and say, I'm a child of the king, hallelujah, I'm a war horse, amen, I'm ready. You just tell me when, God. You just tell me when, God. You just tell me when. I just need to hear the trumpet. You blow that trumpet that says attack and I'm going God let me at him if you were and I were living completely submitted to God I ask us this would our worship and our prayers strike fear into the enemy oh. Oh. would they strike fear into the enemy and just so we're clear I'm not just talking about in here because the devil's nowhere near here. I don't even know that he comes. He might reach Casey's. 
I don't know if he even comes any closer than Casey's. But, but our, our worship lifestyle, our lifestyle as worship, our activity as worship with what comes out of our mouth as worship, the actions of our hands, our thoughts, these things are all worship and can be worship unto God and praise unto God. And if I was living completely submitted to God, hallelujah, would the devil fear my worship? Would the devil be afraid? Would it cause him to shake? When I begin to live my life for Jesus, when I begin to let my light so shine that God would receive the glory, what would change? Oh, hallelujah. Can you see yourself a war horse submitted to the almighty God? Can you see yourself pawing in the valley? Anxious. Anxious and eager to get after the enemy. God, God having to hold your reins a little bit. And you're tearing up the ground with the pursuit of lost souls. You're tearing up the ground with a hunger to teach another Bible study. You're tearing up the ground with a desire to change the world that you live in. You're tearing up the ground. Just let me go. Just, I'm just ready, God. I'm ready, God. I'm ready, God. Loose my reins and give me a kick. I'm ready to go, God. I'm ready to see light penetrate the darkness. I'm ready to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I'm ready to walk in the hospital rooms and nursing homes and be a witness and a light. I'm ready to reach the children and the teens and the adults. I'm ready to be a witness at my work. I'm ready to let my light shine. I'm ready to declare the truth of the oneness of God and the power of repentance and baptism and the infilling. Let me go. I want to go. Is anybody pawing in the valley? Is anybody pawing in the valley? Just saying I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm a war horse. I want to go to war. Oh, clap your hands uh, and rise to your feet uh, and shout unto God. God created the horse. That's what he created. But he gave it to man. And he allowed it to become... The war horse. And if you think that was a mistake, you just need to flip to the back of your book and read about the one who comes on the pale horse, the black horse, the red horse, and the four horsemen, and God on his horse with the blood riding up to his thigh. And the battle, the battle, my God, that I'm going to be a part of, and I hope to God you are too, when he comes back on his horse with us, with him. Oh, hallelujah, on his white horse. I hope I get a white horse too. I want my horse to match his horse. 
Amen. And we come out of the sky and he doesn't even have to lift a sword. He doesn't even have to throw a stone. He doesn't have to do nothing. We watch as he speaks with his mouth. On his horse. And he declares victory over any enemy that would come against him. And that final battle lasts just a moment from when God speaks. It's a moment and it's over. But when he's doing that, you and I are going to be riding on horses right alongside him. And I just got to ask somebody, does anybody feel like a war horse? Does anybody want to go to battle? Does anybody want to overcome? Hallelujah. 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 And so if you see yourself, if you would like to be a war horse, then I've come tonight with a call. And as much fun as I've had, the call is a call to submission. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Don't just have a zeal, but submit to God. Submit to His righteousness. And the reason God has got me here calling us to submission is because you and I were created for more. I know that you are the person that God breathed into. I know that your personality and your attributes and everything comes from God. I know, but like the horse, if you submit yourself to God, you actually can become more. And so if there's anybody in this place tonight that just says, you know what? I don't ever want to be satisfied. I don't ever want to be satisfied with where I am. I don't ever want to be satisfied with what I've done. I don't ever want to be satisfied with what I've seen God do. I want to see more. I believe I was made for more. And the only way, the only way to get there is to submit yourself unto God. And so I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. All across the building, close your eyes. It would be pastor's pure delight tonight if when I open this altar, if everybody in this place would come. But I understand that it's a challenge. It fights with our flesh. It fights with our will. Submission requires some real praying some real praying. And so with your eyes closed tonight, if there's anyone in this place that just says, preacher, I was made for more. 
and you want to come to the front of this building, I would invite you to step out quickly from where you are and make your way to the front of this building. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week. Thank you.